Hello, welcome to Apple Insider. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase, SockDoc, Comic Backup, VPLS, and regular host Stephen Robles will tell you why throughout the show. Now, that will be because this is the show where Stephen takes a holiday and Apple does not. As we record this, Apple is giggling all the way to the bank again, having broken all of its earnings records. Let's just say they've taken in 83.4 billion dollars in the September quarter and that's before they get to count all that you and I have spent on the new MacBook Pro. Don't go there, don't think about that, move on. Hello, I'm William Gallagher sitting in for Stephen and taking this chance to bring on someone I want to question. I'd say interrogate but he might hear me. So Mike Worthily from Apple Insider, welcome to the podcast. Hello, this is my whopping second appearance on the Apple Insider podcast since I've been here for five and a half years. Yeah, we let you back eventually. Mm. Um, I actually wanted you on this week for a really key reason. This episode is not going to be all about the MacBook Pro, but it is not going to start with the MacBook Pro because of your review of it. I mean, I read everybody's review. Like everybody else, I watched all the reviews, read all the videos, possibly the other way around. I followed everything, listened to podcasts the lot. And then I read your epic about it. And I'm going through this thinking, how did I not know this? How did he find out that? I'm, by the end, I'm starting to think this man has a secret laboratory somewhere. And then at the very end, you reveal... Yes, you do. It, it turns out I do, but we'll talk more about that at the end of talking about the MacBook Pro. Oh, I have done, I want to say at this point, I've done 20 pieces of Apple hardware reviews for Apple Insider. Um, I've done a couple of MacBook Pros, done a bunch of iPhones, done a bunch of iPads. And this one was, honestly, I think was the hardest one I've done. Um, not because of any technical challenge or anything like that, because Apple has now been using Rosetta for Intel software for a long time. This is not the first version of macOS to use Apple Silicon. But it was hard because this is a flagship. This is the first pro incarnation of Apple Silicon. And this is the one that sets the table for the future consumer Apple Silicon versus pro and prosumer Apple Silicon just path that we're going to see over time. It's still an M1 machine. Originally, they said it was going to be the M1X. It's it's obviously not, and we've talked about that at some length. We've already talked about here on this podcast, not myself personally, but we've already talked about M1 Pro versus M1 Max. We're not going to delve into that too much. The hardware is impressive, and there have been a couple of Macs over my life that I've been excited about, and there have been a couple of Macs I haven't been excited about. The 2012 Retina MacBook Pro, for instance, I was excited about. I was not excited about the 2016, but I bought one anyway because my 2012 was getting a little crusty. And I could not get rid of that one fast enough. It was a good machine. It was not what I needed it to be. It was a good marker for the future. So I got a 2018 i9, uh, and I was pretty happy with that machine. In fact, I wrote about three years with it just a couple months ago. Sorry, 2018 one. That would have been the butterfly keyboard of doom. But you were still well, the 2016, the 2016 and the 2018 were both the butterfly keyboard of doom. I have never had a problem with the butterfly keyboard. I, I, I am I'm not saying that to say, well, if I've never had a problem, then no one ever has, because it's very clear that people have had a problem with that keyboard, and we have the numbers to prove it. 
but I, that keyboard never really bothered me. It that said, the 16-inch MacBook Pro from two years ago fixed the keyboard right completely, and the and this new machine has it as well. But going back to the original point, when I sat down with this machine, I expected it to be okay. Well, this is just going to be another slightly fancier iteration of what I've been using for the last five years. That was the initial. That was having written about it during release and everything else. That was how I rolled into that review. But in conjunction with the Department of Defense testing lab for with and some folks that I've known for over 20 years because I have access now and they gave me access to that lab. I got to use the machine for a week before we wrote the review um, and before we published the review. And over that week... I started finding more and more things about it that are refinements or improvements or replacements that I really, really liked. So, I mean, the long story short on this review before William starts to interrogate me, and yes, I heard you, oh. yeah. is I decided that I like this machine enough that when they started becoming available on Apple stores on Tuesday, I put in a courier order for $9. I had one at my door six hours later. To yeah, replace the 2018 that clear, I was planning yeah. on flying into the ground. $9 was the cost of the courier. It wasn't incredible. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, it, it was a combination of a really good deal on a trade-in, which I don't normally do, a temporary price increase on a trade-in that probably pushed me over the edge on that. Um, it does not hurt that my eGPU stuff I, I am now disseminating and selling to folks, and I, ultimately because of that eGPU and the absolutely ridiculous GPU card market right now is I will probably about break even when all is said and done. Tell you, because uh, I've never used GPUs. Do you saying the market is it's crazy good or crazy bad? Well, right now the Bitcoin miners are still taking most of the, the PCIe GPU cards for mining various cryptocurrencies. Um, I've been lucky and the video cards that I have bought, I have purchased at retail and at retail cost, mind you, not inflated retail, but... So, like, the card that I just pulled out of there, uh, it wasn't even a high-end card. It, I sold it for over $1,000, which is, considering the retail price of the card, it's $450. It's a hell of a thing. Okay. This is... I feel I shouldn't question that. But, uh, so, I do remember you very clearly saying that you would drive your MacBook Pro into the ground before you changed it again. And I took you to mean that you liked it a lot, it was doing well. Uh, but now you have, overnight, changed yeah, the, the 2018 model was the solidity that I wanted from the 2016. The The 2016, I'm not going to say it felt smashed together because it didn't feel smashed together. It was a decent machine, but it was hot and it was loud. The 2018 was still loud, but not as loud, was still hot, but not as hot. So with the Thunderbolt, and I've always loved Thunderbolt just as a connector, with the Thunderbolt snaking all over this small office, which many of you have seen in the various desk pieces that we've done, I was able to, with one or two cables or three cables in some instances, connect everything I needed to run this dizzying array of monitors in front of me during events like earnings later today. And and just keep an eye on everything off one machine. But now, this 2016 machine... Right now to test for this podcast, I wanted to see if I could get the fans to spin up so they would be detectable in this microphone. So right now I have three 4K monitors attached to this machine and the fans aren't running. And if they are running, they're running, they're running so slowly I can't hear them. Is that not 
sort of distracting in a strange way. It very much has been. Uh, I'm accustomed to a low-level drone during the day just from assorted fans. And between the 2016, excuse me, between the 2018 coming off my desk and the eGPU coming off my desk, there were a couple times yesterday during production, like, okay, what's missing? What What's wrong? What is not working right? And it's just one of my last acoustical troubleshooting methods is now gone, for better and for worse, is there's no fans. We've got to get those fans going. What can we do in the next few minutes to get those fans? Oh, I have a desk. I mean, it's I, I, I'm not going to start rendering video during this podcast. It was just an intellectual exercise I started before the recording, and it just, you know, it just didn't work out, which is okay. Well, actually, but, you say this. I mean, we, uh, we mentioned the secret laboratory. You've revealed that it's the Department of Defense. The thing mm-hmm. that got me, apart from, I mean, nobody else takes a MacBook into the Department of Defense for you. Isn't that overkill at all? The Department of Defense does a lot of radio frequency testing, their own radio frequency testing on gear. I'm, I'm not going to delve into what exactly sure. they do. But they, it, if Apple comes out with something, they do RF testing on it. They do a, a, other assorted tests, which I'm also not going to delve into. Um, I do consulting for the DoD still, yeah. and that is one aspect of how I can get into that lab. I mean, the others I know a guy, but that's you know two combined things getting into that. So that has given me the flexibility, despite not having support from Apple on review products, uh, to. Yeah get these reviews up quickly without just a day with the hardware. And that's why for the last several years, that's why for the last several years, you've seen a situation where there's been the, the YouTubers will get like one of each color. We'll publish their reviews a couple of days before the release. And then we will publish a review day of, or the day after or the day after that of one of the products, because that's all I've been able to use. I haven't been able to use the whole lineup. I've been able to use one of them. Like this review that I wrote for Tuesday is very specifically the 16-inch MacBook Pro with the M1 Max processor. It's very specifically that, because that is the only thing that I had access to for that week. I enjoy the uh, YouTube videos of many colors. Um, I enjoy the I enjoy the unboxing videos, I'll admit it now. But I don't really care about them. I don't feel like they help with my purchase decision or whatever. What I like about yours is uh, the level of detail. I mean, you and I differ in that you're very much a hardware guy. I'm very much a software guy. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of things you just don't cover that I want to know. But you get into things like um, it's a temperature test of it. And I've heard other people say uh, the new one doesn't get hot. But you say exactly how hot and where. Uh, There are some keys, aren't there, that get warmer than others? Yeah, it, it, I've got a background in nuclear power, and I don't think that I would do it any other way. It, I don't have a problem with YouTubers, and I don't have a problem with Apple giving preference to YouTubers because they're flashy. They each have their own audiences. They know how to cater to those audiences. I, do, I don't personally get anything out of them other than, hey, that's really cool. But maybe that's all they need, and maybe that's all they want. It, it, it's like I have said on Apple Insider and editorials and things is there's no one true workflow. And likewise, there's no one true opinion on these machines or how to promote them or how to review them or anything like that. Well, that's my opinion and my workflow. That's the one uh, that matters for and me. The, yeah. Well, here's the thing with that, right, is we have folks coming in looking reviews saying, well, that's not my experience. and I disagree with your opinion. And here's why. Yeah. And that's OK. But the key to reviewers is finding a reviewer who has 
opinions and viewpoints and workflows most similar to your own. And then you trust that reviewer's opinion on other things, as opposed to just finding, you know, somebody off the street who writes a review about something and getting upset that they didn't validate your opinion on something. So I, I, I get where people would say, well, this review doesn't work for me. And that's fine. There, find a reviewer that does work for you and stick with them. I, I'm sure I am not everyone's tastes. I don't think everyone needs to know where the hot spot on the keyboard is or what particular temperature that is. And if you don't like that, that's okay. It, it doesn't make it a bad review. It just makes it include data that you don't necessarily want or need. And this, this kind of discussion I used to go through uh, on Radio Times, like the UK's equivalent of TV Guide, where we would talk about reviewers and when you're doing television drama and things, it's all subjective. You hope a reviewer... Of course. It has their opinion and also has some knowledge and background to back it up and you hope they're interested in writing, but you, you come in expecting it to be subjective. Whereas with technology, I think there's more of a feeling of it's a machine, there are things it can do, so a reviewer should be able to talk about more. But you're saying even in this case, it is irre irrevocably personal. It has to be. We At Apple Insider, we do a couple different things. We do the versus pieces, which have very light opinion in them, very, very light opinion in them. But they're focused on the, the gigabytes and the gigahertz and the refresh rates and all of the specs associated with different machines. And there's very little beyond that. It's, it is something we get asked for a lot. But that's not to be confused with a review, which is about how the reviewer uses the product and incorporates it into their everyday life. So... Both have a place, and there is some overlap between the two, but you really, as far as the tech goes, that's why we started doing the versus pieces a couple of years ago, is because we had people who just wanted the spec-to-spec -spec comparison, and there are people who just want to know how Andrew or I or you use a particular product in your daily lives. It, if I could, if I had the financial ability to do so, I would have everyone on Apple Insider do a review of the MacBook Pro or the iPhone or the iPad. Because people like to think that we're this monolithic operation with in a big warehouse that's dark and we all have brown robes on and there's a bare 60-watt bulb hanging from the ceiling. And, and that's not the case. We, we have debates all the time on what to cover and how to cover and why to cover. And, you know, in the mornings I'll get pitches from the morning crew like you, William, or Malcolm, and they'll say, well, I want to cover this. And I'll look at it and say, no, we're not doing that. And then you'll give me a pitch of why we should, and I'll say, okay. That makes more sense. Go ahead. And I won't particularly think it's worth covering, but you just gave me a convincing pitch on why we as Apple Insider should cover that. All right. That's true. That's just so, yes, this is not a monolithic operation where we get together and talk about focus and we talk about how we're going to present something or, or anything like that. There will be discussion. People will say, hey, Mike, when you do this review, can you talk about X thing? And I'll say yes, or I'll say no, get stuffed. And... Yeah, but you know that's about it's the extent of place, really. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We get along fine. It, it, it's but just from a from in just from a presentation standpoint, we don't have like an editorial board per se, and I like it that way. I prefer it that way. The thing I like is uh, that same difference. Uh, we have Amber, for example, who I will always listen to about anything Adobe does because she has that art background. Malcolm, I always think of Malcolm when a games topic comes up. You, I think, I've always for hardware and things. And quite often that means I'm not, sorry, that interested because specifications don't tend to mean a lot to me. Um, 
I need to use it. But that's actually why I think I was particularly taken with this review, because it was vastly more detailed about hardware than I would ever be able to do. But you presented it in such a compelling, interesting way. And also, it was different to everybody else's review. So I love that freshness of it. The only thing is, you did not convince me to get a 16-inch MacBook Pro, when clearly the 14 is better. I mean, clearly, come on. The 14 is better for you. The If I did a lot more traveling than I do, I think I was going to go for the 14. And I did consider the 14 just based on the periodic traveling that I do. But I ultimately decided that the extra pound that the machine weighed and the very small amount of extra space it would take in the bag, it was worth it to have the larger screen. I had to take some travel unexpectedly recently to get some work done away from this desk. And I brought my 15.4 along and I brought my iPad Pro along and versus the monitor that's sitting here right in front of me as I'm watching the waveform bounce as we record this and watching the Apple Insider Slack channel and feeds that are rolling by, I felt like I was working through a cardboard tube just because I'm accustomed to a larger monitor at home. And this monitor feels much, much bigger than my 15-inch MacBook Pro did, which was the decision why. I, I did not see a point in buying a machine that was not an improvement over my old one in every possible way. Yeah, I'm just, I'm struck by that description of it, the tiny bit bigger to carry around, the small extra size of it, whereas to me, the 16-inch, it's a its a boat, isn't it, compared to the 14? just find well, it enormous. Look, Let's go over what's in my tech bag, right? When I, I have a tech backpack, I forget the brand of it, but it's a it's a midline brand. It's nobody fancy. It's got my MacBook Pro in it. It's got probably a dozen chargers. It's got a iPad Pro. It's got a 12.9-inch iPad Pro in there. It's got a set of headphones. It's got probably a book. It's got my Apple Watch charger. It's, it's already got, it's already 18 pounds or something like that with everything that's in it, including the weight of the bag. What's 18.8 pounds? Mm-hmm. Okay. I just, I know we're in use, it feels heavier than the specifications. And, and I used to love my 17-inch Powerbook, but I never traveled with it. It was the one on the desk forever. So schlepping around all day, maybe it's the type of traveling I do, constantly up and down and back moving. Or I'm just weaker than you are. That could be it, couldn't it? Right. I don't think that's it. If, if I had to do something where lightweight and speed was absolutely a priority, it would be iPhone and iPad. Or just iPhone. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase. Cryptocurrency might feel like a secret or exclusive club, but Coinbase believes that everyone everywhere should be able to get in the door, whether you've been trading for years or just getting started. I've actually personally been using Coinbase for a long time. I can't even remember when I started. I did it for years, but I bought some Bitcoin with it, and I've also bought some other cryptocurrency, and I love it because Coinbase makes it easy. Coinbase offers a trusted and easy-to-use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency. They support the most popular digital currencies on the market, like Bitcoin and Ethereum, and make them accessible to everyone. They offer portfolio management and protection learning resources and a mobile app. And I love their mobile app. It's so easy to use. So you can trade securely and monitor your crypto all in one place. Millions of people in over 100 countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. I really like the Coinbase app, too, because you can set up notifications when certain currencies reach a level or when they increase or decrease in a significant amount. Like I'll get alerts for Bitcoin or Ethereum and things like that. And I know if I need to act quickly, I can jump in the app and make changes with ease. 
And for a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at Coinbase.com slash Apple Insider. So sign up at Coinbase.com slash Apple Insider for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offer is for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. That's Coinbase.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Coinbase for sponsoring this episode. This episode is brought to you by ZocDoc. Has this ever happened to you? You need to see a doctor. You search and find one that looks good. You hold and you wait. You talk on the phone and you book an appointment. You rearrange your schedule. But when you finally go in, you find out the doctor doesn't take your insurance. It's one of the most frustrating experiences. And sometimes you need to see a doctor right away, not just a few days from now, but you have an issue you need to deal with. Well, ZocDoc makes this whole process easier. You can search for doctors right in their free app, and you can choose ones that specifically take your insurance. Just download the free ZocDoc app today, and it's the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. Not only can you see local doctors who take your insurance, you can read verified patient reviews and book an appointment right there online. And they have in-person appointments and video chat. You don't have to call anyone or wait on hold at all. Whether you need a primary care physician, dermatologist, or eye doctor, ZocDoc has you covered. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. I have used ZocDoc to find doctors in my area, and it's my go-to just because it makes the whole process so much easier. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy, so now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. I've actually presented a lot just from the iPad, and I like doing that. I like remote controlling the iPad presentation from my watch and things, but there are things that the Mac would do. So uh, I have bought a MacBook Pro, and it was kind of uh, with not exactly your guidance, but some of it. So mostly thank you for that. We'll see what it's like when mine comes in December. He's not going to promote himself here, but he's already talked about this development process that he's gone through in his mind for which MacBook Pro to buy on his 58 Keys YouTube channel, which you should probably go find. Yes, I went through some decision-making process there, helped by your tweet of dismay. But don't, Tweet of dismay, yeah. Yes, let's not move on from it. Mine comes in December. You got yours later that afternoon. And then, I, I did, my my original configuration, I was going to do a configured order with 512 gig of storage versus the one terabyte because I don't really, I've got a vast amount of network storage in the house. I have my own local cloud. I've got a Synology that I use and the, um, I don't really need a ton of local storage. So I was going to save a little bit of money and do that. But like you, this is going to be, oh, hey, you're going to get it on December 19th. And I'm like, hmm, how about not? So originally that cemented my desire to drive my, my 2018 into the ground because that was the plan. But then I had the misfortune or fortune of using the machine and, and just thought about it on a whim on Tuesday morning. But I wonder if I can get one at the local Apple store. turns out, yes. So if you don't need a custom configuration, your local Apple store still has some and you should probably check. I was in an Apple store here in the UK yesterday picking up a birthday present for my wife, an Apple Watch, and mentioned that I wanted to try out the MacBook Pros, and their faces lit up. Um, 
Uh, any chance you've ordered the base spec? Because we've got loads of those. You can have one of those. And then their face kind of, what's the opposite of lit up, kind of dimmed down when I said, no, I'd wanted more hard space and all this. Mm. It does seem like supplies in stores are better than it looked like they were going to be. Supplies in stores are limited to a couple of key configurations. Like if you're looking at, you know, I really need four terabytes of SSD, you're, you're out of luck. You, that's a configured order spec. Or, you know, that 24-core GPU sure looks better, and I don't want to pay for the 32. Yeah, you're going to wait on that, too. But if you have one of the retail SKUs, which are basically, if you go to Apple.com and you don't fiddle with any dials, you just pick one of those configurations, you can probably get one of those at the Apple Store today. At Apple Retail today. I did that. I was going through it. I thought, I cannot understand. What have I done? Suddenly, the delivery date was two weeks later or something. And eventually I found out I hadn't changed any what you call the machine specs. But right at the bottom of the build-to-order page, where Apple keeps trying to push you to buy Logic Pro and Final Cut Pro, I'd accidentally clicked on Final Pro, Final Cut Pro. And that addition added two weeks uh, to it, which is a shame because hmm. I only got Final Cut Pro. But... Yeah, you already have it, right? Yeah. Mm. And loving it. Okay. Um, I did say this wasn't supposed to be all about the MacBook Pro, but there are kind of one and a half issues left that are, well, at least one of them is shaking the world. Can you definitively say good or bad on the notch? I don't care about it. it, it it's I'm, I'm staring at it right now and it's a notch and I know there's a camera behind it. I know that they've got a lot of extra room back there. It's not the only thing back there is the camera. The lid proximity sensor is in there and the true depth sensor is in there as well. It, it's in the menu bar. Why is this a huge deal? It, it, there used to be in the Mac OS 10 beta, your Apple menu was there. Yes. Right there in the center. This is, of all of the real estate on your screen, exactly where this notch is, is the least used real estate possible. Now, now, your menu bar stuff like your Apple menu, and in this case, what I'm seeing on my main display, the Slack, File, Edit, View, Go, History, Window, Help, those will wrap around the notch if you have enough of them. Your other stuff on your upper right, the name escapes me at the moment. Like right now I've got a little icon for my stream deck and I've got a, Hey, you're on a call right now. And I've got my time machine logo and battery and so forth. If you get those over to the notch, they will just go underneath the notch. So that tells me that one software team at Apple knew one thing and the other software yeah. team did not. But I also suspect that this will get worked out. I also suspect that the use of external monitors on the MacBook pro is high, is really high. So, and like I'm looking over here at my LG, there's no notch in the center of my LG display. So the notch, to me, the notch is a non-issue. I don't hate it. I don't like it. I am in the middle. And it, it just is. It, it, just, it doesn't impact my work. It's not going to impact my work. There are editors of other tech publications, not any of the Mac-centric ones, mind you, that are just absolutely screaming about how it's an abomination. And I just, other than trying to get folks to click, I can't see how you could be so worked up about this no i'm thinking of one publication where i don't know if apple 
misspell something somewhere. That's the end of the world for everybody. And now I just oh, that's Forbes. That, that that's, that's absolutely Forbes. I was not going to yeah. say it, but yes, that's exactly. It was in my mind. Um, I look at the notch, and I, I want to say I couldn't care less. I suppose you know I put a lot of effort. I might find a little less caring to manage, but um, more than ambivalent, just didn't matter to me. Except today, as we record this, um, Apple's revealed a new support document in which they have described this um, scale to fit option, mm -hmm. which means right there in macOS Monterey, right from the start, they had a button to uh, fix the notch, if you like, to shrink everything else down. That tells me they knew this was going to be a big issue. So if they knew it enough to do that, why have they just slipped the mention out in a support document instead of actually telling them? I don't know. I, I don't know. And the thing is with that, with that move everything down a little bit, that makes the forehead on this display a little bit smaller yeah. than the one I had on my 15-inch 2018 MacBook Pro still. I, this seems better to me. It, like I said, I, I don't... I, I, I don't hate it. I don't like it, but I'm mystified by the amount of content that's being generated about it. Yeah. Um, about how it's terrible. I just don't, it's not terrible. It just is. It seemed to me looking at Apple's description of all this, of their workaround that not only does it move things down to do the notch, but it also pushes things in a bit. Like it rescales everything to be the way it was on previous ones. So you, it's basically a button to give you back all the bezels you've wanted to get rid of for years. So I see that as a very temporary workaround. I think bartender is probably a solution to the menu bar thing, but I'm mm -hmm. with you very shortly. All developers will work this way and everything will be fine. William doesn't know this yet, but he's going to do a roundup for me tomorrow of the menu bar hiding software. So you heard it here first. Well, I'll get started on that very soon. <laughs> okay. Uh, except that menu bar hiding software, the notch, Apps going through things. This brings me to the half. I said there's one and a half things we haven't talked about. And the half is you are obviously now on macOS Monterey. But mm -hmm. I don't know if you've been on the betas before. Is this your first experience? No. I was. I had a beta machine running. In fact, that 2012 MacBook Pro um, had it for a while. And I had it on the 2016 for a while. It didn't go well on the 2012 because system requirements weren't met. And the uh, checker wasn't doing great. But did better. Much better in the 2016. Um, so what's your question, I guess? Well, it was going to be, is it a shock change? Uh, are you instantly delighted, but actually, no, nah, you're used to it. Yeah, yeah. It, I, when it came out, it was, I'm like, oh, hey, this is rounder. And, and, and I kind of left at that. It didn't really matter. I mean, I've seen enough, I've seen enough OS changes from Apple since my Mac SE in 1987. Oh. System seven point one on a Mac. It, it, it wasn't. It was. It was. It was six oh eight. Was my first uh, Mac OS. I've seen enough changes since then. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the old timers episode of uh, the Apple Insider podcast to, uh, this week. Okay. Um, Who I mean, between the, yeah. I mean, between the two of us, we've got like seventy years of experience using Apple oh. products. Right. Well, lovely talking to you. Goodbye forever. <laughs> You're gonna. Go, I'm gonna go break down into dust now. Yeah. It's um. But in all seriousness, there's been enough changes in macOS over the years that it's just I kind of just looked at it and said, okay, this is how it is, and just kept moving. It seems to me every year when there's even quite a substantial 
uh, macOS. We've all heard about it. Apple's talked about it a lot, and then you know we've read things about it. Then we install it, and for just a moment, it's so that's the same really. And then slowly you find a little bit you like, and another bit, another bit. And I have a Mac here that's running on uh, Big Sur, and it, that's only last year. That's the big change to macOS. And yet when I use that for something, it feels like an antique already. Uh, I think Monterey is, is really good. Everybody should have Monterey on a MacBook Pro. Yeah. Well, let, let, let's be clear about why this looks this way. Once upon a time, the Mac was the primary arrival point for Apple for your iPod and your iPhone and so forth, right? Yeah. And over the last 10 years, that's shifted. It, there are about right now, just by sales volume, 25 iPhone users every one Mac user. So it makes more sense for Apple not to make Mac OS perform more like iOS and iPad OS, but to make it look like iOS and iPad OS. The underpinnings of Mac OS are still here. Everything you're still looking for in Mac OS is still here. It just looks a little bit different now. And that I and that's why it's happening. So okay. I remember it's funny, isn't it, thinking back to it. I accidentally upgraded to the very first beta of Monterey, a genuine mistake, came back to my desk and found that had happened. And my first thought was how very <laughs> iOS it looked like. Oh, stop looking at me like that. It could oh, oh, no, I'm in danger. Monterey. <laughs> Actually, it was your fault. <laughs> I've just worked this out. About a year ago, I can't remember what it was now, but you needed me to write something about Mac OS Big Sur on one of the betas. And that was when I moved to the beta. And I forgot yep. that I was on the beta upgrade cycle. And so mm -hmm. one day, up comes this iron on my Mac, Friday afternoon, at the end of the day, right on Friday, and it said, there's an update to Big Sur. I knew macOS was out, Monterey the Beatles. I was never going to go near it. But there was update to Big Sur. Why wouldn't I take that? Hit the button, wandered off, came back to work early Saturday morning, and this big purple screen looking at me. And I went well, ash. I mean, <laughs> it sounds to me like the problem exists between the keyboard and the chair. This doesn't sound like directly my fault. No, I think, you know, if someone has to be blamed, so let, let's, <laughs> let's do you. Fair enough. Sure, let's not blame the guy with the mouse. That's fine. No, no, no exactly not. But I'll tell you what, I think uh, so far we've talked about basically how really good the new MacBook Pro is. Uh, I've been confused more about macOS Monterey than you, but still we're saying it's good. There are things that aren't. Um, I was really quite disappointed by Apple and UPS deliveries this week that you are you obviously weren't affected by that way because you got it from a courier I, yeah but you know people who were and things so i think we both yeah th this ups thing i'm not sure how widespread it is there are two problems going on right now one of them is ups and the other one is apple being slow in their configured order configuration which we've already discussed at some point earlier in this podcast yeah. so the ups problem it appears to be a mechanic, you know, they're saying it's a mechanical problem, but it's for some folks, it's been a mechanical problem for four days as we record this on Thursday afternoon. So I don't know the percentages. I don't know the numbers. I don't know if this is inside or outside UPS's accepted mechanical failure rate that it gets daily just because of the volume of vehicles and vessels that it has. But that that's a cold comfort. If you're one of the people who said, Hey, mechanical failure, we'll update you when we can doesn't help so looking at it this morning prior to this podcast it still appears that some people are affected by that 
I think it gets me. I mean, I looked into what UPS does. Mechanical problem seems to be, I don't know, but it seems to be UPS's stock answer for certain problems. And to their credit, they don't seem to get it very often. But it has affected, there was an iPhone mechanical problem some a lot of years ago. It happens for it. I, yeah. I'm troubled by the fact that they don't know a date for delivery because they have a fleet. They know the schedules. They know the slots they got at airports. You would think it was complicated, but not a long job to work out. And it sounds like Apple emailed people who were affected on the day they were expecting to get their MacBook. And I find it hard to believe that you're, you're sitting there expecting a box to come and as soon as you get an email, uh, how it had, can't have told you at least the day before that there was a problem. I'm... Yeah, I mean, like I think that's two separate problems. I don't think that finding out the day of that you're not going to get your machine until December is a UPS problem. I think that's a, a, a CTO issue. I think that's a we don't have enough machines that we thought we were going to have back when we pre-ordered these machines last week. I, I think that they're being conflated. I think the two issues are being combined. I don't think they should be combined. Um, they're both happening. There, there's, I'm not saying that, you know, one is hiding the other. They're both happening. But um, logistically, this year is more challenging than most. And just as a quick aside, the entire supply chain from top to bottom is totally screwed up right now. It's completely screwed up right now. There are paper shortages in the U.S. and the U.K. Paper shortages. So if there is something that you need to get for a loved one for Christmas and you know you need to get it for Christmas, get it now. The next time you see it available anywhere, get it now. Do not wait. And I'm not just saying I'm not trying to channel you to AI deals or anything like that. That is not the point of this. This is the board game industry has said that this is a this is a life threatening event for them, just as a general rule. The toy industry, the tool industry, building supplies are starting to lighten up a little bit. But again, back to the tools in there, mattresses, furniture, you name it. If it gets shipped in the United States and even some stuff that's manufactured in the United States, if you need it or if you want it, get it now. This episode is brought to you by Comet Backup. Listeners, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but there have been times when I have lost data, whether it's because a hard drive failed or just something got corrupted, and it still happens today. And it is one of the worst sinking feelings you can experience to know that you have lost data. Could be important document files, maybe it's photos or videos, and that is why you need to have a good backup solution. And I encourage you, don't just have one backup solution. Maybe you have that external hard drive, but external hard drives failed. I've had that happen to me as well. You need to have a good backup solution, especially a good cloud backup solution. And that's why you need Comet Backup. Comet Backup is fast, flexible backup for businesses and IT providers. You can protect Mac, Linux, or Windows machines, and you have total control over your data. With Comet, you aren't locked into backing up just to iCloud. You choose what data and where it is stored. You can back up to local on-premises storage or any of the leading cloud providers to slash your storage costs. Host the servers yourself or Comet can host them for you. It's secure encrypted backup software for computers, emails, databases, and servers. And they have a files and folders backup just for macOS. Test to drive Comet Backup with a 30-day free trial. And you get $50 free credit when you sign up with promo code Apple Insider. So start running backups in 15 minutes or less at CometBackup.com and use the promo code Apple Insider for a $50 free credit. And the link will be in show notes as well. 
Our thanks to Comet Backup for sponsoring this episode. This episode is brought to you by VPLS. Whether you are a growing or large company, you need to make sure that you have good IT support. Your employees will know if you don't. I've worked in places that don't have great IT support or you're dependent on just that one guy down the hall. You know what I'm talking about. And it's not a good situation for the company. That's why you need VPLS, which is a managed service provider and managed security provider with a 20-year history of industry-leading customer service. VPLS can be an additional resource for your IT team or function as an outsourced IT department. They offer help desk, managed security, managed backup, and other managed IT services. Get the responsibility of IT off the leaders in your business and into the hands of certified professionals. VPLS operates 24-7, 365, providing after-hours support for your team. And they can help any size business. And VPLS can support any size business, whether it's a growing company or large business. They offer backup and disaster recovery, managed outsource help desk and IT support, cloud migration, and they are a great fit for companies with existing IT staff and teams, but maybe you still have gaps in the IT framework. Or if you're a company that doesn't have existing IT support and you're looking for experts to manage the entire IT infrastructure, or maybe you just need consulting for a specific issue or project, VPLS can help. To learn more, visit vpls.com slash goit. That's vpls.com slash goit to see all of their offers, including low monthly collocation rates for all new customers. That's vpls.com slash goit. Our thanks to VPLS for sponsoring this episode. Uh, on the positive side, I bought Angela and my wife and Series 7 Apple Watch for her birthday. But because of these long delays and things, I wasn't I was at all sure she'd have it in time for her actual birthday. So I bought her something else as well. So she gets two presents. That seems mm. good. Uh, but I keep meaning to ask you, I, I don't know what Apple Watch you've got. She's gone from a Series 1 to a Series 7 and is ecstatic at the difference. But you have a more recent one, don't you? So are you going to move to 7? I, I am not moving to 7. My the, the Apple Watch that I used first was a Series 0, was an original mm. in launch year. And that's when I decided, you know what, that is too far down. I'm Mac primary. My Mac is my main device. My iPhone is an accessory to my Mac. That is the minority, not the majority anymore. It's the other way around for most new buyers now. And given that the Apple Watch is an accessory to the iPhone, it was just one device too far down the chain for me. Until, you know, we've spoken about it some length here in the podcast that I put one on because my doctor says I needed to put one on. Um, it is a Series 6. I, I started with an SE and decided that, oh, wait, no, I, I need something else and was fortunately able to get to exchange that in pretty quick order to the Series 6. And um, But, yeah, I don't see any compelling reason for me to go to the Series 7. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to be so brave as to say I'm going to fly this one to the ground. I suspect the Series 8 I will buy um, just to continue that maintenance and see what other sensors it brings. For as far as health monitoring goes, but there's just in the Series Seven, there's not enough for me personally to upgrade. I was wondering whether or not I would see a difference because I have a Series Four. Would I? T I don't have always on, and I would really like that. Um, just from a few hours now, of Angela with her Series Seven, I really, really want one. Um, but then also Series Eight might have this squared off design that looks so ugly, and I think that's a selling feature for the Series Seven. You're <laughs> not persuaded. <laughs> I, I don't I don't care 
Uh, it, it's the Apple design is secondary to me. The integration is primary. And it's always been that way. The like this MacBook Pro could have just been just terrifying looking. It could look like a Rorschach painting, and I wouldn't care. It, it's why I bought the Tangerine iMac back in the day because <laughs> hey, it's there and it's fifty bucks cheaper. I'll take that one. Goodness, didn't matter that was, didn't yeah. matter that it was a terrifying color. It, it, it's just it was cheaper and did the same thing. So okay. Whereas I think if I work on a script, that's a couple of hundred hours writing, looking at this thing. I want it to look nice. I mean, you know, I'll put up with a certain amount of distraction, but okay. Hmm. Hmm. Aesthetics. Yeah, that's the only difference between Apple and everything else, isn't it? The color like I said, find the reviewer you like and stick with their opinions. You know, uh, that's kind of what this comes down to. There's a couple of things I want to talk to you about since I've got you. And one of them is uh, it seems that we're not going to get an Apple car by the end of the month. We're probably nope. not going to get any Apple events before the nope. end of the year. So... Uh, what is left to look forward to? You know, when can I get a 27-inch or 28-inch iMac? There is always X equals X plus one. There is always, uh, on new iPhone, there is uh, continued talk about a new iMac, whether it be a 30 or a 27, depends on which rumor you listen to. There have been discussions about a Mac Mini redesign for a long time now, six months, I want to say since Prosser and company had that render where they put the USB-C ports way too close together. What's going to pop out, I don't know. But right now, like I said, for many, many reasons, Apple has released what they're going to ship through the end of this year. I think there are going to be too many supply chain headwinds to release anything in November. Apple had a big November last year because they had production problems earlier in the year, right? Because of COVID issues and staffing and so forth. I think Apple would have much rather been able to ship everything in September instead of releasing the Apple Watch with a press release like they did. The So last year we dealt with iPhone shipping starting in November, and then we had the Apple Silicon event in mid-November. So, and let's look at what Apple has announced in the last, in the last eight weeks. They've new iPhone, new iPad, iPad mini, um, Apple Watch, uh, new HomePod colors, but I don't really even count that one. Um, not because I hate the HomePod. I, I enjoy them very much, in fact. I just... Come on. You're putting HomePod colors in the vent? How about yeah. not? Um, and you've got the new MacBook Pro, which is their flagship notebook, right? That's a lot of products in a very short period of time in a still challenging global shipping environment. And at some point, even though you have God's own money, like Apple... That will only go so far. And I think that with what they're dealing with right now, with iPhone shipping volumes and MacBook Pro shipping volumes, I think they're at that limit. I think that the global supply chain is about as far as it's going to go right now, as far as Apple is concerned. And if they roll anything else into that in the next four months, it's just going to aggravate it that much more. So do I think the iMac is coming? Yes. Do I think M2 chips are coming? They're absolutely coming next year. Absolutely, we're going to see M2 machines next year. I realized, I should have, I should have forgotten this, about three years ago, I worked with a man uh, in California whose son, he said, was deeply involved in the redesign of the iMac. I hung on every syllable to try to find out more, and of course he wouldn't give me anything. And then the next iMac came out, and I think it was like a spec bump, and I thought, well, maybe his son isn't doing quite as well at Apple as he made it sound. <laughs> But perhaps he was actually already then working on the Apple Silicon redesign. Well, 
you'll forgive my skepticism, but that man's son working with the iMac redesign sounds a lot like everyone's uncle they had that worked at Nintendo back in the 80s. So <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah, I mean, if you, and I've said this many, many times before, I just said that the M2 is coming next year. You can take that as gospel or not, but it's also an obvious prediction. You know, it's like saying that the A16 chip is coming next year. Okay. That makes sense since how they've labeled everything else before then. What I am not saying with any certainty is when. What I'm not saying is what it will be in. It, it makes sense that it would be in that Mac Mini redesign. It makes sense that it would be in a, in a new MacBook Air, which we're already talking about now based on rumors out of the supply chain. I am not personally a giant fan of rumors. I am not hugely fond of reporting them or talking about them. I'm not excited about talking about what stock analysts think are coming because it's hard to tell what the originating rumor is. It's hard to tell who was first on this. It, it B Bloomberg hired Mark Gurman and he's got a good base of knowledge and he's got decent sources. He had better sources before, but who's first? Is he first? Is Ming Chi Kuo first? Is are are the sources from John Prosser first? Who's first? You can never tell who's first. You you can never tell. And or for that matter, you can never really tell the provenance of these rumors. So all all I can do for you, the listener, and for you the reader, is tell you what makes sense based on what Apple is doing now and what they've done in the past. All I can do in this regard is be the adult in the room when things are getting shrill on social media about who gets credit for what. I, so. I would have said that I actually dislike rooms that I actually dislike it because I do really enjoy it when there's an Apple launch and there's something new that we didn't know about. I just, it makes a better show and I'm always going to think about the show first. Mm -hmm. But in this case, um, I, I bought a 14 inch MacBook Pro. I'm doing a project where I was funded to buy a MacBook Pro but I kept pushing the project up and delaying everything I could because at the time the 13 was out and that's what I was being funded for. I mm -hmm. rumors told me a 14 was coming and now I'm, I mean, I've had to put almost twice as much money on of my own and things, but I would have been very disappointed if I hadn't listened to rumors and had bought when I did. So. Well, I mean, here's the thing with Apple's release cycle, you know, when stuff's coming, you know, the iPhone is coming in the fall there is a decent probability of new Macs in the fall. You know Apple's doing something in the spring. There, If if it hasn't come in the spring or the fall, it that is the outlier. Like, people talk about, well, WWDC is going to have a ton of hardware. No, it's not. It hasn't in a long time. It is not normal that WWDC has a lot of hardware. And even so, when you're talking about things like the iMac Pro, when Apple talked about the iMac Pro at WWDC, it didn't come out until the winter. And then the Mac Pro didn't come out until the following winter. So if you buy a machine in September and if you buy a machine in the spring and you buy what was just released, then you're not going to be replaced in six months with something newer if you stay in the same class of machine. And you argue on 58 Keys that the MacBook Air is the best machine for writers. And I'm going to argue with you that you could have bought that back in the spring and you would be fine for four more years with that machine. Just based on what I know you do, and I know you do the video, and the MacBook Pro that you bought is going to make a huge difference in that video, but that's not your primary point of work. No, my work tends to spread. You know about the writing side, but I produce events and things as well for mm -hmm. the Writers Guild and stuff. And so my needs spread more than writing, and also my budget 
means I need a machine to last a very long time uh, for it. These are all factors that drove it for me. No, you're going to change my mind and make me order a 16 now. Stop it. Uh, I, I'm, well, I'm not because I know what monitor you have. There, for you, there is no value in that 16-inch machine because the vast majority of your work, other than presentations, is done at that desk. This is true. Yes. Okay. I should get out more. That's what you're telling me. I hear you. Well, that, is, that is absolutely not what I'm telling you. But if you want to take that message away, that's entirely up to you. No, no. The hidden message. It was the subtext. It was clear. But this could keep me. Just the last thing I want to ask you about. This this could keep. No, this won't keep me on my desk, but it might keep some people. Apple isn't launching any new things, but there are still plenty of launches. Like just this week, as we record this, uh, Apple Music on PlayStation 5, uh, yep. Apple TV Plus on Comcast. Um, are these a big deal or is that just Apple trying to, I don't know, mop up a few extra subscribers where it can? So we were talking behind the scenes at Apple Insider earlier this week about the app, about the Apple Music and PlayStation thing. And I don't think it's a big deal. You don't think it's a big deal. Wes does think it's a big deal. I think that this is just a get the numbers up play. I think that this is a get somebody. It'll be great if we got somebody who had an iPhone to use Apple Music on the PlayStation, but it'd be better if we could convert some folks that are on the fence. But I don't think it's going to be big numbers. I just... I think this is part of Apple's goal to put all of their services on as many screens as they possibly can, like with the Comcast deal. The Comcast deal is is big because of a couple different things. It is because it's Apple TV Plus on Comcast televisions. The As far as how much service you get, I don't know. Uh, you know how much free time you're going to get on that from Apple TV Plus, I don't know. But it's not going to be forever. I'm sure it will be an add-on purchase through your Comcast subscription. The, yeah, but it's just more screens, more possible screens. Does that not say to you then, um, Wes is more of a gamer than either of us, so I'm not going to try to think about that market, but with music, Apple trying to get more nominalists, does that mean they think they've exhausted all the people they can possibly get through their regular Apple Music offering? I don't think they care. It, the, reason I, the reason why I don't think they care is because they don't have to. We, we talked about God's own money a little bit earlier in the podcast, and that gives them the ability to do things like, hey, here's Apple TV Plus, and there's three shows on it, and, and let it wait out, and let it go for a couple of years. That has given them the flexibility to say, hey, here's the original Apple Watch. It's underpowered. It doesn't do much, and it'll last you for six hours, and not have to cancel it the next year because it didn't sell, and not have the, and the money that they had even nine years ago, even six years ago, uh, has allowed them to release products that did not have to blow the doors off the place from day one. You and really I think, didn't like that first Apple Watch. I oh, loved that I, first I, I Apple I really Watch. did not. Yeah, <sighs> it, it's, but it didn't sell, right? It didn't, the Apple Watch didn't pick up until they said, oh, wait, it's not a fashion accessory. It's a health accessory. They had the time because of their money to figure out the proper way to brand it. And like with, like with Apple TV Plus, again, they had the time and they had the money to sustain the production. And they didn't have to cancel it because they were under financial pinch. And I think this is just an extension of that. I think this is, a, you know, we're going to make another $2 million. Great. You know, fantastic. You know, I say that dismissively, but the amount of money, the amount of foundation that they built under these products will allow them to add things slowly at an additional $2 million a year of profit. They don't have to come out of the gate with 
10,000 streaming shows. They don't have to come out of the gate and say every console ever supports Apple Music. They don't have to. So actually, this is Apple's typical thing. They might be late to something, but they get there and they do it right in the end. They get there eventually and will do it right in the end, yes. Okay. Well, that seems like a point to stop. Uh, listen, Mike Weatherly, thank you seriously for your help with the MacBook Pro decision-making did I tell you this? I worked out there were something like 77 possible configurations of all of the MacBook Pros. That and I got, right. I got it down to one, and then you got me down to a different one. So, that, well, at least we got rid of 70-odd. So, thank you very much for that. That's it for me for, I don't know, probably another year. Stephen Robles will be back next week uh, to help you out with William or West. Don't know who. You can read about anything we talk about today on appleinsider.com uh, throughout the course of the week and daily, of course. Uh, we are here for your list. We're here for your ears and we're here for your eyes. We will talk to you very soon. Yeah, what he said. Thanks for listening. Bye. 